Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Volunteer Country on SI Podcast on this Wednesday, June 8th edition, Wednesday afternoon, coming at you. Matthew Ray and Jack Foster, yours truly, your host. And today, we're getting into the mailbag, going to answer some questions from our fans via Discord, via Twitter, Facebook, anything you guys can reach us with, be sure and ask us for the next mailbag. But today, we're going to get into the questions we got. So, Matt, let's jump right in. What you say? Yeah, man, excited to do it. All right, let's start with a question that was asked a little bit ago, a couple of days, I want to say, um, on Facebook from uh, Mr. Nunley, Mr. Brian Nunley. He wants to know about Carnell Tate, and I feel like a lot of people want to know about Carnell Tate, as we saw him release on Instagram that his commitment date is coming up soon, um, because he, I think all I think he said all he's waiting on is some video stuff, some videography. So once he gets that taken care of, he is ready to commit. So Brian Nunley wants to know: Is Tennessee still in the running for Carnell Tate? Because there's a few saying, you know, Tate may turn down Tennessee for Ohio State. We obviously know there's other schools in the mix here. So let's just get a general update on the Carnell Tate situation. Yeah, so, you know, I think we've kind of reported since Tennessee hosted Tate for his first official visit in April that we felt like the Vols were in a really good spot coming out of that weekend. Now, if you look back to that weekend, um, the buzz – coming out was really surrounding Tyler Casper, uh, who gave the Tennessee staff a silent commitment at the time. You know, everyone thought – so there was rightful buzz around, you know, his name coming out of the official visit weekend. Everybody obviously wanted to know about Cornell, what was going on with Cornell, things like that. But but Casper was trending in the right way for Cornell. We felt like at the time, yeah, there was some certain optimism there. But we also knew that when that family made it back, home to Arizona that they were going to sit down and weigh some things out they had more options on the table and ended up in Oregon and reclassified to Oregon so you know we we reported that time even given the you know potential upcoming commitment public commitment from Casper um, which never came about that we felt like Tennessee had made a bigger impression overall on Cardinal Tate and it was just because the Vols were able to sit down with him and answer so many questions and Kim have the chance to kick it off with Nico and, and that relationship has continued to grow each and every day they're consistently on the phone FaceTiming cutting up carrying on they should see each other again this week coming up at the overtime seven on seven tournament which is where Tate's actually going to be um over the next few days, make it out there maybe today or tomorrow, and that goes through the 12th or 13th. I can't remember the exact dates on that, but it's a few-day tournament in Las Vegas. So he'll have a chance to be around Nico, be around other guys, you know, as well. But we've continued to feel like Tennessee has had a good position in the recruitment of Carnell Tate since that April official visit. Then he shows back up kind of unannounced late May for another unofficial visit with Tennessee. And and that was by design for Tennessee. They wanted him to get in and have a chance to just sit down more one-on-one with his coach and staff, able to reiterate again how much of a priority that he is for them, how they see him fitting, that type of thing. So another big opportunity there that continues to show positive signs for Tennessee. Now, the buzz coming out of Ohio State really shouldn't shock people. You know, LSU crept into things and – you know, we, we heard positive things about LSU, that official visit weekend that he took there with a close friend and quarterback or quarterback Dante Moore. Um, you know, that they've been around each other for a long time. So the 
you know, dynamic there. They spent time with Joe Burrow, um, you know, just had an opportunity to really see what Brian Kelly had. And Brian Kelly is the, the head coach that Tate probably has the longest standing relationship with. But in the end, you know, this thing shaped back to where I think you expected it to be, Ohio State being the team for Tennessee to beat. They've been kind of the longstanding favorite there. And it still feel like Tennessee's in good position to do that. You know, Tate could just drop this commitment any time over the next two to three weeks. It wouldn't come as a shock. He may announce a date. He may just get the video and release it. We'll see. But still like where Tennessee is in the race for Cardinal Tate as of today. Um, you know, the buzz around Ohio State, again, not a surprise. They were never going to quit. He's at the top of their receiver board just like he is Tennessee's. And they've had success pulling elite receivers, you know, time and time and time again. So they're, they're not going to go away. Brian Hartline was down at IMG Academy for their spring game to check in on him. So, you know, Ohio State isn't going to go away in this battle, but still like where Tennessee is as of today for, for Cornell Tech. There you have it. Tennessee not fading in the recruitment of Cornell Tate, but definitely Ohio State still a factor there. Recruit coming yeah, soon. Yeah, that, definitely a battle. Definitely yeah, definitely a battle. battle. Uh, the commitment coming soon from Mr. Tate, obviously out of IMG Academy in Florida. So one of the biggest recruits Tennessee will land up the 23rd class, of course, being a five-star receiver, one of the biggest receiver recruits they will probably have had in recent memory, wouldn't you say, Matt, if he commits, of course? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think – I can't think of, you know, another one in recent memory of, of that magnitude. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's coming from the nation's premier program at IMG. He's a five-star on every recruiting side. He's going to be our number one receiver most likely when the rankings come out um, for RSI 99 in July. So just a guy that the potential, you know, and, and the player comps are really, really high for. So uh, a, a big-time guy, and credit Kelsey Pope, um, regardless of what happens in this They're race. They're even making this close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, realistically, I mean, he, he's the assistant wide receivers coach. Cody Burns leaves and goes to the Saints right in the thick of this thing. And Kelsey Pope is able to just make it, you know, make things very smooth, a transition very smooth. That was what was so important about that official visit weekend, you know, so – um, you know, credit him for Tennessee being here in this stage, regardless of what happens in the end. But, you know, yeah, it, this is this is the top guy in the class. And for me, I don't think it's close. I don't I don't you know care where he ends up going in the end. I think at the end of the day, following his senior season at IMG, Carnell Tate will still be the number one wide receiver in the country. And, and I really don't think it's close. Catch radius is off the charts, ability to leave, ability to track the ball down the field, what he can do short and intermediate as well as in 50-50 jump ball situations. is just – it all lines up. Um, he, he's an incredible football player. So it would be a massive pull for Tennessee, and it's easy to see why these other programs aren't willing to go away. Absolutely, Matt. Of course, Carnell Tate, a big get he will be for Tennessee if Tennessee can land him in the coming weeks. All right, let's move on here. Talking about another recruit Tennessee has already landed, Nico Yamaleava. You know, everyone's really locked in with him, and you know he's a five star. the The hype is through the roof for Nico Yamaleava to come to Tennessee, not this fall, but the next. And uh, but Evan Reeves on Twitter wants to know: with Hendon Hooker and Joe Milton likely departing after this year, do you think Josh Heupel may go to the transfer portal to you know get a guy with a little more experience at the quarterback position for that uh, 
2023 season. You know, he's not saying this is a knock on Taven Jackson or Nico, but with both, you know, not having a lot of experiences, Taven Jackson's not going to start this year. So both will go in having not started a season. Could you see Heupel getting an experienced guy in the portal? Well, you know, Joe Milton can come back again next season. So um, all that's weird to kind of start thinking about with him, but he's a freshman at Michigan in 2018. He plays at four games and earns a red shirt. So he's a freshman, a red shirt freshman again in 2019. He goes to 2020 as a red shirt sophomore, but that's the COVID year. So he gets the COVID waiver. So he's still technically a red shirt sophomore. Now he lives as a red shirt junior on Tennessee's website, but as far as, you know, that, that's how they have, have handled all of those. Um, mm-hmm. So technically, he's still a redshirt junior, so he has the opportunity to come back. But, yeah, certainly, I think it you know, kind of depends on how all that shakes out. Joe will have the opportunity most likely to graduate transfer somewhere if he wants to, if he feels like he's not going to be the guy. So, yeah, I think you can see, you know, Josh Hopple go out and get an experience piece. But at the end of the day, I tend to lean toward year three one of those younger guys, be it Jackson or Ian Waliava, getting the nod to, to be quarterback. I mean, we saw Taven Jackson make, you know, some good strides here in, you know, this spring. Ian Waliava, he's going to be a frequent visitor to Tennessee. He's a film room junkie, so he's going to be studying this offense. The first time I ever interviewed him, he was telling me, you know, how he – recorded every was trying to record every single play to see what the offense did and he would you know after a few plays he realized he couldn't keep up so he had to keep his phone on record the whole time so you know he's he's going to be well versed but obviously there's you know a transition there the guys the the potential's unmatched for him but there's a tough transition for anybody but he projects as an immediate impact type guy based on you know, what we've seen from him so far, arm talent-wise and, and the ability to, you know, make throws from a lot of different angles and improvise. So, you know, I think that improvisation is probably one of the biggest traits for me that leads to think that Iamaliava could make that impact as a freshman. He can get outside the pocket when things break down. He can make throws off platform and do things like that. Yeah, I think it's very possible that you still see Tennessee work the transfer portal to find an experienced depth piece. But I would lean more towards right now. Um, and again, we'll see where things go. But I'd lean more towards right now um, it being one of those younger guys getting the nod you know, going into the 2023 season. We'll see. Uh, it won't be the first time Josh Hopple started a young quarterback in his tenure. And and certainly won't be the last if it does go down that way. But I think that's a, I think that's a really good question from Evan. Because it's certainly one that, you know, is something to think about. You know, where, where yeah. do things go in that quarterback room and, and how do the numbers shake at it? It seems like nowadays with the transfer portal, it's harder and harder to keep, a, a you know, a firm number of, of quarterbacks on the roster, keep guys happy. So, um, you know, Joe Milton's here. We've only continued to hear about him making great strides inside of the locker room at Tennessee and and doing what he's done on the field. So, you know, you have to think with with Hendon Hooker departing those younger guys below him, Milton has to think that he has one more opportunity to get things right. Now, how how long does that last? If he doesn't feel like he's the guy coming out of spring, who knows what happens. But we'll see. I I think that's probably something that's determined post-spring next year. Yeah, I agree with you. And 
you know, if Joe Milton stays, I don't think it's it's far from a necessity to go to the portal and get an experienced guy. I mean, like you just said, Joe Milton has improved so much as a teammate this spring already. He's probably improved as a player with another year in this system. Um, I mean, he won the job last year. Let's not forget, he showed enough to win the job. Granted, it didn't work out, but he did do that. So he's not he's no slouch, and we know the potential Taven Jackson and, of course, Niku Yamaleava have. So if those three go into the fall of 23 as the three, the top three Tennessee quarterbacks, I don't think there's any need to particularly worry about that position. And um, all right, Matt, let's move on. Let's go into some a deep recruiting question here. Um, Bassmaster Ball, a very good friend of the show, um, in our Discord wants to know about he wants he wants some insight on uh, some 24 recruits. You know, we we talking about 23 recruits a lot. That's the hot topic right now in the recruiting world. He wants to have some insight on 24 guys. So so you know who who's Tennessee looking for early, and who are they in good standing with? Yeah. So you know, I think when you when you start looking at that the difference and Tennessee was able to get a lot of these 23s to campus at least once, at least once, you know, when it wasn't their primary recruiting cycle, but they've had a chance to get some of these 2024 guys to campus very early and often. Um, And you start talking about, you know, this Tennessee program and you look back to when, you know, Jeremy Pruitt was here and you thought about a lot of defensive guys coming through and, and things like that. But now you think about the offensive guys. We just got done talking about Tate and Ian Maliava and, and those types of things. But in 2024, for me, it starts more on the defensive side of the football. Um, and, and two guys that pop to mind right away from the Peach State are Sammy Brown and T.A. Cunningham, two guys Tennessee has got to campus multiple times, two guys who were ranked among the nation's elite prospects, you know, depending on where you look. Um, Brown, a linebacker that has family ties to Tennessee. Cunningham, a defensive lineman who has just immense potential, some of the – one of the longest wingspans that I've seen since I've covered, um, but really high athleticism is really continuing to develop. Um, Both of those guys, you know, are high on Tennessee's board – and guys that Tennessee has, you know, made strides with, and we've continued to hear positive things about in their recruitment. Rodney Garner has done very well with Cunningham, and Brian Jean-Marie, Chad Creamer, and those guys have done really well for Sammy Brown. So uh, those two guys popped to mind right away. Um, you know, they've hosted Jaden Davis, the 2024 elite quarterback, a handful of times already as well. Um, he has some connections to the mid-state from time, you know, that he lived there. Uh, he's a guy that this staff really likes. But, you know, at the end of the day, you just signed a really highly rated guy in 2023. So how does, how does Davis, you know, look around? Ohio State was a school that seemed to be – seemed to have some momentum in that, you know, battle for Davis. Georgia's been involved in it. There's several other schools involved in it, but Ohio State's already taken the 2024 quarterback. So, you know, how does that reshape things? You know, we'll see what Georgia does. They're in the battle for Arch Manning. So, do you want to go be the guy behind Arch Manning if you're Jaden Davis? So, it kind of just – it's going to come down to this quarterback class in 2023 is so good that most of these 2024s are going to have to go play behind a really good quarterback if they want to go to some of the schools of their choice. So, I still think Tennessee is heavily in the mix for Jaden Davis, but we'll see what ends up coming of that one um 
elsewhere, you know, there's there's a handful of guys, and these guys start to come through campus so much, you know, but you look in-state, Caleb Beasley and Edwin Spillman are two of the top guys from the from the in-state group of targets since he's had down the campus multiple times. Family connections on the team with both of them are soon to be on the team, at least for Spillman, as his brother's committed in 2023. They've got multiple friends that play seven-on-seven on team. You know, they – They've been to Tennessee. They're comfortable with these staffs. Caleb Beasley just came back. I mean, he has an offer, but he just came back to a non-select invite camp just to work out with Willie Martinez and get a better feel for him as a coach. So that should tell you kind of where Tennessee, you know, stands in his mind. Spillman, he's been here multiple times. He already has a a close relationship with multiple guys outside of his brother on this, you know, in this recruiting class and on this team. So, you know, that type of thing is definitely working in Tennessee's favor. Uh, Camarion Franklin is a 2024 defensive lineman who has immense amount of upside that Tennessee had hoped to get here this past weekend for a, you know, for their night at Neyland camp, mm-hmm. but he wasn't able to make it in due, some, due, due to some traveling issues. But Tennessee still, you know, positioned very well in that crew, recruitment. He's just right across the line in Mississippi from Memphis. Um, another guy that they had here this weekend that kind of the staff was really impressed with and put a lot of time into during that night at Neyland camp was Carson Gentle, uh, the defensive lineman from Macaulay School in Baylor. He's really added a lot of weight to his frame. Uh, Rodney Garner spent a lot of time, you know, watching what he did during certain drills. And, you know, they were they were really high on what he did. He didn't lose a rep during the setting. So uh, those are some of the guys that popped to mind right away. That, that board will shake up as time goes on. But, you know, the – at least those few right there are several pretty, pretty big names, in my opinion, in 2024 to keep an eye on as this Tennessee staff, you know, they're doing, you know, camp still throughout the week. Um, they end up on Sunday. There's still mega camps going on. So there's plenty of, there's plenty of time for other new names to come in. They've had guys like KJ Bolden, who's a top 10 prospect nationally, get to campus. They've had, um, Walt Claire Flynn get to campus, guys out of Georgia. They've had Heaven Brown Shuler, another, you know, top 50 defensive lineman. But, you know, those early visits are key that should allow Tennessee to have a pretty good foundation moving forward. And I think that's the important part when you look at an, a recruiting class this early is having those visits, those early relationships to where when guys come back, it's just, you know, hey, how have things been, you know, not – Right. You know, tell me, tell me about you. You know, what do I need to know about you? You're just rekindling those relationships instead of starting to build them. So Tennessee, you know, has had their got their foot in the door with a lot of 2024 guys that are elite, in my opinion. Well, good news for Tennessee. Then uh, we know Josh Heupel has done a fantastic job on the recruiting trail since he's been at Tennessee, uh, building this program back up a little bit and talking about programs. You know, building up, obviously. To show that you're building up, you have to, you know, prove it on the field during the season and, you know, <laughs> get good records at the end of the year, point frank. So our last question here, Matt, how likely is it that UT makes a New Year's Six Bowl? We know they made a bowl game last year in year one under Hypel, but can they take that next step 
And do you think it's likely that they can take that next step and get a New Year's Six Bowl this year? Well, I mean, I think a lot of people want to measure, you know, that Tennessee success by, you know, what Ole Miss did from year one to was, year yeah. two, on, you know, under Lane Kiffin. And that went from, you know, kind of similar to what Tennessee did to, to a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, and, and I think it's I think it's possible that Tennessee can make a New Year's Six Bowl this year. Um, you know, it's it's going to be hard, in my opinion. Uh, you have to have some things go your way anytime to make a New Year's Six Bowl. But, you know, looking down the schedule, you start with Ball State, and you have to like Tennessee pretty handily in that one um, on Thursday night to open the season, looking to make a statement. Um, then you travel to Pitt for the second, you know, edition of the you know, Johnny Majors Classic, and – you know, they're, they're replacing so much. That's still going to be a dogfight. I mean, Narduzzi yeah. has and a ton of similarity. Yeah, yeah, you're on the road. You know, Narduzzi has a ton of similar, you know, familiarity with knowing Josh Heupel. They played each other multiple times now, or they've coached against each other multiple times now, um, dating back to their time at, you know, Heupel's time at UCF. But I still tend to favor Tennessee in that one. Um, Akron at home. I mean, you have to like Tennessee there. Um, Florida, you know, coming to Tennessee. If you're good, if you're not, if you're going to beat Florida, you better do it this year. You know, right. I'm not, I'm not saying Florida is going to make a jump, but if you're Tennessee, you don't need to let Florida beat you this year. And, and realistically, this should be a year that the balls go into that game favor. Florida's coming off a brutal schedule to start the season. Um, it's like South Florida, Kentucky, and Utah. I want to say. Um, Jeez, I, I don't Utah. know the I don't know the uh, the the dates of all those, but I think they open the all season right. with Utah, follow Kentucky, and maybe like South Florida before Tennessee. You nailed so, it. So, I mean, that's that's pretty tough in terms of an opening slate compared to where Tennessee goes: Ball State, Pitt, Akron, Florida. So um, I, I, I like Tennessee in that game. Then you go on the road to then you go on the road to Death Valley, um, LSU. That's going to be a hostile environment. We'll see what time kickoff is there. Then you follow that with Alabama. Um, well, that's tough, but Tennessee's getting Alabama at home, and Tennessee was in that game late last year. Um, Tennessee Martin comes the following week followed by Kentucky at home, then you're on the road at Georgia, and then you close out the season with three very winnable games, Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt. So, I mean, realistically for me, there's definitely a path to 10 wins for Tennessee on this schedule. It starts – you go to Pitt and take care of business, and you set yourself up for, you know, a ton of momentum in a packed Neyland Stadium when Florida comes to town, in my opinion. Then you have Florida – you, and that's that's the question mark for me. If you can take care of business with Florida, you have a bye week before you go on the road to LSU. Yeah. If you can go to LSU and go five and zero, you have a chance. You know, depending on what happens against Alabama, but let's say you take a loss to Alabama, you have a chance to be seven and one when you go on the road to Georgia. You say so you take a loss there; those are the two you know, toughest games on your schedule. So we'll give you a loss in those columns. You should, you know, you have a chance to finish 10 and two. So, 
Um, let, me, let me make sure I count that. No, One, yeah, you're, two, you're correct. Three, it's just George four, and Bama. I, yeah. 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 You know, so um, at the end of the day, if you can do that, I think you've got a really good shot, a really good shot of being there in a New Year's Six Bowl. It's, you know, there's just a lot of work in between. There's a lot of work in between. You can't stumble against Florida. You need to take advantage of an, an LSU program that's breaking in, you know, still in their first year that, you know, should have some coverage lapses and things like that going on, you know, even though it's game five, that type of thing. So um, I think it's very doable for Tennessee to make that New Year's Six Bowl, but it's it's you know, it's never easy to do. You have to have things go the right way. You have to, you have to avoid injury. You have to avoid, you know, a down game. And that's something this Tennessee did this Tennessee team did a really good job of last year. They never, never started slot. Yes, they <laughs> far from it. And, you know, I, I really liked your Ole Miss comparison. I feel like that's a pretty, you know, common comparison that's going to be made between this Tennessee team and Ole Miss's team of last year, trying to compare those two. But, you know, it remains to be seen if Tennessee will have that success. But, Matt, can you imagine if the Vols go 5-0, and you know, just coming off wins against Florida and LSU and they host Alabama and Neyland, the Tennessee's going to be ranked, what, maybe 10 to 15 range? Alabama, probably number one or number two. Can you imagine the type of electricity and that environment in Neyland Stadium for that game? Yeah, it's just going to be so different. You know, I mean, the last time, you know, that that happened was in, in the Butch Jones era. And, you know, I was there for that game, and that was – it was a great environment, but you, you felt like – you felt like Tennessee was still, you know, the underdog. And, well, yeah, Tennessee's going to be the underdog. And, and, and they'll be the underdog. But that, that Alabama team that walked out on the field that day felt so different compared to how I felt like this Alabama team would feel walking out. And that's not to knock this Alabama team. There's some dudes on that roster. Will Anderson is, is the best player in college football. I think he got robbed of the Heisman Trophy last year by his teammate Bryce Young. Um I hope Bryce lets it stay in his apartment every once in a while. <laughs> but, um, you know, the there, there are dudes on that team. There's first-round picks on that team. But that Alabama team that year felt just felt so different. Um, you know, that it felt like even coming in, given the, the magnitude of the matchup and where things were ranked, that Tennessee was very outmanned. I feel like this year that Tennessee matches up well you know, with with Alabama, should they be in that position? So we'll see what happens. But yeah, the the electricity of that game at third Saturday in October, um, you know, Alabama fans may want to downplay it sometimes, like it doesn't mean as much anymore because they've been dominant since Nick Saban's been there. But who haven't they dominated since Nick Saban's been there? Right. That game, th- th- they're still up there ready to light their cigars if they beat Tennessee. And I promise you, they remember what Tennessee did to them for a stretch several years back so they haven't forgotten that's very much still a rivalry and uh, that that would be a fun environment to be around for sure definitely matt and it all starts september 1st first game of the season on thursday night as he mentioned earlier ball state versus tennessee in neyland stadium year two under high bowl kicks off on the first day of september all right matt well i'm gonna get out of here unless you have anything else you want to add recruiting wise maybe that wasn't asked for this mailbag anything else at all feel free to shoot no, man, just a, um, you know, several official visitors coming through campus again this weekend, final camp of the season, you know, of the camp season coming up on the 12th. So um, we'll have coverage from both of those things. That's it. 
All right, you heard the man. Be be sure to stay tuned to Volunteer Country on Sports Illustrated and on all your social formats, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, you can also give Matt a follow on Instagram. He uh, He's always you know, releasing his stories on his Instagram stories as well. Give your host a follow at Jack Foster TV. I'll have full baseball coverage this weekend of the Super Regional Tournament in Knoxville against Notre Dame. Tennessee baseball looking to punch their ticket to Omaha for the second straight season. All right, everybody, Jake and I will be on here tomorrow to podcast about a full preview of that Notre Dame-Tennessee series this weekend. But in the meantime, we're going to get out of here on that. For Matt Ray, I'm Jack Foster, and this has been the Mailbag Edition of Volunteer Country on SI Podcast. Another mailbag will happen next week, so keep those questions rolling.